All right, welcome to January 18th on Joe's Daily U.S. History Lesson. It is I, your host, Joseph DeCristoforo. So the show is going through a lot of changes, as I've been talking about for the month of January thus far. I just got one of them cool new tripods that I can put my phone on and start videoing for my YouTube channel, which I'm still working on. In the meantime, I'm just trying to figure out some other logistics as to how I'm going to present these great history stories to you, such as if I'm going to be sitting down, standing up, standing on my head, camera positions, things like that. Whatever it takes to make history more interesting. Besides, now you're finally going to be able to see the tool shed I've been talking about this whole time. It's a little messy, but I'm in the process of cleaning that up. Yeah. As far as the title of the show goes... I'm really digging on, get this, Joe's Daily American Freedoms. Has a nice ring to it, no? Let me know what you think. In the meantime, the show is officially called Joe's Daily U.S. History Lesson, and that's where you will find it on Facebook at facebook.com slash Joe's Daily U.S. History Lesson. Please let me know, because without you, my great patriotic friend, it's no fun doing this show. So thanks for that. And now let's begin the show as we normally do with the Pledge of Allegiance. Let's everybody stand up, face the flag if we have one, and put our right hands over our hearts. And begin. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Booyah, America! And now on to today's headlines. World War I peace conference begins in Paris. Plus... Author Doris Goodwin gets called out. Thomas Jefferson requests funding for the Lewis and Clark expedition. And the Steelers beat the Cowboys in Super Bowl X. All right, so now let's do this. 1805. Happy birthday, Madison Hemings. He's the son of former slave Sally Hemings and former President Thomas Jefferson. He has five other brothers, also possibly children of long toms. The third president of our country... And one of our dearest founding fathers was a human being, and he had a share of scars that, while alive, he wouldn't dare show in public. Who would have guessed? The pen of the revolution and the apostle of the constitution. Not him! Mrs. Jefferson had died giving birth to their third child in 1782. Thomas Jefferson would be a widow and first president not to have a first lady in the White House. Not officially, anyway. Though DNA has given us evidence of news we previously could have only wondered. We don't know much about Sally, though most historians will agree she was born in 1773, which would make her about 14 when she babysat Long Tom's 8-year-old daughter Mary on his trip to France, where, of course, Jefferson was sent as a delegate. After the revolution was over, Sally had four children, Beverly, Harriet, Madison, and Eston. In the 1800 election, a smear campaign was launched to incriminate Jefferson, but he would win the election against John Adams anyway. This is where history gets real fuzzy. Brittany Danielle from the Washington Compost has stated that Jefferson raped Sally, a statement she admits is based entirely on how the white man acted in general as a whole towards slaves. Hardly proof of anything that happened in Paris. On the flip side... Bill O'Reilly has been accused of falsely romanticizing the relationship between Long Tom and Sally, suggesting that those slaves were somehow lucky to be working on a prosperous project like Jefferson's home at Monticello. Sally was light-skinned, and her kids could pass for white. 
Madison grew up at Monticello and was freed as a slave by Jefferson after Jefferson died. He was one of over 600 slaves that in fact was freed by Jefferson. In 1822, Beverly and Harry quote-unquote escaped from the luxurious Monticello, moved to D.C., and blend easily into a white society with a light skin complexion. Madison would marry another mixed-race, ancestry-freed slave named Mary McCoy, with whom he would several years later find an all-black community in Pike County, Ohio. But by then, tensions about slavery were coming to a boil in the U.S., North and South. Madison and his brother Eston would move to Wisconsin and, again, easily blend into the white community, with their sons fighting for the Union Army during the Civil War. Finally, in 1873, Madison Hemings came out with the truth and explained in an Ohio newspaper interview, quote, I was named Madison by the wife of James Madison, who was afterwards President of the United States. Mrs. Madison happened to be at Monticello at the time of my birth and begged privilege of naming me, promising my mother a fine present for the honor. She consented, and Mrs. Madison dubbed me by the name I now acknowledge. But... Like many promises of white folks to the slaves, she never gave my mother anything, unquote. The question that is debated, did Thomas Jefferson have a love affair or did he rape Sally repeatedly? Why didn't he free her as a slave? Could it be most likely that she would have chosen to stay at the only home she had ever known at Monticello? There has never been a hint that Thomas Jefferson was a rapist. The only thing that Jefferson's illegit son Madison ever said was that Tom was his dad. 2010, Johnny Collinson becomes the youngest man to ever climb the seven summits. At least according to the Guinness Book of World Records anyway. Jordan Romero at 13 years old did it too, but I'll get to him in a minute. So why did Johnny climb this? Because, as he puts it, quote, I want to live life instead of watching it on TV, unquote. Most kids his age are thinking about applying for college and junior prom. Not Collinsworth, already a national snow skiing champ who had climbed Mount Everest, and now he had his eyes set on taking on Antarctica. Johnny's passion for climbing mountains around the world is largely fed by cultural experiences from which he benefits. Johnny loves going to places such as Alaska, Russia, Argentina, Nepal, Tanzania, and other countries I can't even pronounce because after seeing how, quote, people grow their food and made all their shelter, how they value every aspect of their lives was eye-opening, unquote. The culture in Antarctica was much different, my friends. In Antarctica, the only culture there is 24-7 sunlight and sub-zero temperatures that can sunburn one side of your face and frostbite the other at the same time. And Johnny managed to become the youngest to reach the peak of Vincent Massive on this day in 2010, taking him a year to climb the highest mountain on every continent. Helped that it was good skier. Now, as I mentioned earlier, it's worth noting that a similar record exists by Jordan Romero, who was 13 at the time. However, Guinness World Records do not accept applications for climbers younger than 16, so Jordan doesn't get the glory because he didn't have a fake ID. Twenty fourteen, Chris and Mary Fagan become the fastest married couple to travel to the South Pole. 
from the Ron Ice Shelf. Unassisted, unsupported. That's a cold journey. They said some days it got so cold they didn't want to stop to eat, so they kept going. Looks like it paid off. The Fagans left the Ron Ice Shelf on December 2nd, 2013, and after an incredible 48 days, they covered 553 miles, averaging 11.5 miles per day. I mean, my wife sometimes chases me around the neighborhood that probably equates to that same mileage, but that's a different story entirely. It's not as cold in San Diego as it is in the South Pole. The Figgins were rewarded in the South Pole at the A&I camp where it's heated and they had access to yummy four-star meals. I bet they were delicious. And finally in Super Bowl news, 1976, Steelers beat the Cowboys 21-7 in Super Bowl X. Lynn Swan was brilliant for the Steelers, who had no turnovers or penalties in the entire game. Swan would be the MVP and racked up 161 yards and a touchdown. And so that, my friends, is going to wrap it up for January 18th on Joe's Daily U.S. History Lesson. Once again, I'm your host, Joseph DeCristoforo. Check out the website, joesdailyushistorylesson.com, as well as the Facebook page. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. For instance, what about that story with the Fagans? Let's see. It's January. Let's find the coldest place on the planet. Honey, where do you want to go? Oh, how about Canada? Nope. Too hot. How about Alaska? In January? Way too hot. Yeah, let's do the South Pole. No thanks. I'll sleep in with my pillow. Or what about Lynn Swan? First of all, Lest he think that the name Lynn is reserved for girls only, I wouldn't tell that to the former wide receiver of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Another fascinating note about Lynn was that he was a politician as well, yes. He actually ran for governor of Pennsylvania as a Republican in 2006. Cool. So yeah, let me know what your take is. And while you're on the website, you can also take a shot at some of the multiple choice quizzes, so good luck with those. Be sure to check out tomorrow's program. I'll talk about Tokyo Rose... A lighting system using overhead wires, the tin can, and board game Scrabble. So don't miss that. And in the meantime, thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks for being great patriotic Americans. And we'll see you tomorrow. Good night now.